Good morning, church family. It's so good to see all of you in the house of the Lord this morning. Uh, if you are a first-time guest with us here at the church, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us. I'm Pastor Tim. I'm the youth pastor here at the church, and uh, I have, like, the greatest job ever here, hanging out with teenagers and just going into the Bible with them. So it's awesome. But if you're a first-time guest, like, we're so glad you're here. And, in fact, if you're a first-time guest, we would love to get to know you. And one of the ways that we can do that really easy and avoid awkward face-to-face -face conversations is you can just fill out the form that's at that QR code. So you can take your phone out, scan that QR code, you'll fill out a form, and what will happen is one of us on staff here will just reach out to you and let you know we're thankful for you being here, see if there's anything we can be praying with you about. We're just glad you're here. And if you're joining us via live stream today, thank you so much for doing that as well. We believe that the Lord can minister to you right there where you're watching from, but we would love to have you come be in the house with us. So if you get the opportunity to maybe next Wednesday or Sunday, come join us in the house. We'd love to have you be our guest here as well. So we have a prayer team, and currently they're going to be walking around holding up some prayer cards. So if you have a prayer need or a praise report, maybe the Lord's done something amazing, worked a miracle in your life. If you'd like to give a praise report, you can do so, or a prayer request. And here, listen up, church. If you're a member of this church, let me tell you why our first Saturday prayer is so important. Here's why. Because people fill out those cards, and then when we get here, we spend 20 minutes just praying over every one of these requests. That's what we do. And in fact, the last time we had our pray first, our first Saturday prayer, I lifted up one of the cards and it was from one of our teens. And at the very bottom, they said, thank you so much. It means so much to know that my church is praying for me. You get to do that for somebody when you join us for first Saturday prayer. So make sure you plan on that in December. It's going to be amazing. All right, next thing I got is Turkey Tuesday is this coming Tuesday. So we do not have service on Wednesday night. Our normal Wednesday night service will be on Tuesday. So make sure you show up on Tuesday. And then we hope everyone has an absolutely amazing Thanksgiving week with your family and your friends. All right, we're going to get into worship this morning. If you would stand to your feet with me. In Hosea chapter 6... Verse 3, we read this. It says, let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. And then I love this. It says, as surely as the sun rises. Did the sun rise this morning? Oh, it did. Okay. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. Church, I want you to know that God is ready to meet us this morning. He is here to meet every need, to bring hope to those that need it, to bring miracle power to your life if you need it. So let's just pray real quick as we enter into worship. Father, we thank you so much that you are the God who shows up, that you're not a distant God. God, that you're very attentive to our prayers, Father. And when we cry out to you, God, you answer us. As surely as the sun rose this morning, you will be here with us today. And you will walk with us and shepherd us. You are a good God, and you love us so much. And so we just want to worship you together as your body. We want to worship and exalt your name today and just give you the praise, the honor, and the glory that you deserve. Father, receive our praise this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. There is no shadow that has ever overcome your light. There is no rival that could ever stand against your might. You've always been with us. Every battle you've already won, or we've already won. There is no way 
church it's communion here at only believe and it's such a vital part of who we are as Christians but today um, I wanted to read to you out of 1st Corinthians 11 23 guys if you could help me on the screen because I forgot my phone on the front row <clears throat> oh hallelujah I know I'm gonna just wreck your mind right now it's all right well, 1123, here's what it says. 
and this is in the NIV, is talking about, for I received from the Lord that which I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, 24. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now I want to stop there because here's what it was. When he was betrayed, Jesus was thanking God. Do you realize that he knew Judas was the one that had betrayed him already? It was already in process. And that he was going, but even in that moment of betrayal, he lifted up the bread. He broke it. And he said, thank you. What? Some of us are like that. See, there's things in life that has betrayed us. Our health. Maybe your finances aren't where they need to be. Maybe your marriage. There's been a betrayal. Those hurt. Those are hard. Maybe life itself has betrayed you and someone you loved has died. You see? Yeah, it doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem like it's right. But here's what I'm here to say. Jesus knew that he was going to be betrayed and knew that he was going to offer his life for you and I. And he still lifted up the bread and gave thanks. And then he said, do this in remembrance of me. Not remembrance of your struggle. Not remembrance of the betrayal. Not remembrance of the trial and the tribulation that you might be facing right now. But do this in remembrance of me. Because everything this world can throw at you, I'm going to fix. No matter how big you think it is. When you remember me in the midst of that circumstance, what was meant to be so big and so encumbersome and such a betrayal that you can't get past, you're gonna remember the cross and you're gonna remember me on it and I'm, I'm the one that's gonna save you from this world. Not just your sin, but I'm gonna make life better because I'm good. The next scripture, 23, it says, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup, is my new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Today, the enemy would want you to remember the betrayal. Today, the devil wants you to take communion only when things are good. But God says that I want you to declare peace in the midst of the storm. I want you to declare that I'm good even though this life stinks. Even though there's things you don't understand. Even though there's things you're struggling to walk through. He's saying, I know what it was like. I was betrayed. But I still broke bread and gave thanks. So today, church, I don't want us to remember what's being done to us in this life. I want us to remember what's been done for us that we might have life. The devil wants to remind you of your past, but Jesus wants to remind you of what he's already done in the past, that now you and I can live and be set free. Amen.
Father, we just come before you today. Father, we know there's life in the blood. And Father, we don't forget. We don't take lightly what we're about to partake of. But Father, we remember. We remember you in the midst of the struggle and in the trial. And Father, today I challenge everyone here that before you take the bread, lift it up and give thanks as you break your bread, as Jesus did to show us the covenant that he has. For church, he's not dead, he's alive. And because of him, we can live. Amen and amen. Come and receive communion. you've kept in the valley for every burden you've lifted with ease we have gathered with great expectations lord we believe you never cease to amaze us all of the praises lord they belong to you jesus receive all the glory take all the credit for what you're about to do every good thing every good thing comes from you for every season that showed us your sorrow every trial that taught us to trust we are standing Take all the credit for what you're about to do. Every good thing, every good thing comes from you. Every good thing, every good thing, every good thing comes from you. Good 
infrastructure, there's pipelines, there's highways, there's data centers, there's manufacturing plants, and this infrastructure makes up your life. The products of this infrastructure is what you produce in your life. Are you producing death or are you producing life? In the same way the economy works, where we have pipelines, we have infrastructure, that makes up products of this world. We need to take ownership because we've been given ownership of this world. And the same way that the pipelines seem to be used to run this world, to create the products of this world, we need to take ownership of this world because God's economy is at hand. It's a word of exaltation this morning. Yes. Come on all over this place this morning. Let's lift our hands in worship. Let's lift our hands in surrender this morning to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords, We've come with grateful hearts today. We've come with grateful hearts today to worship you, to honor you, to exalt your name on high. Lord, we love you this morning. We love you. We love you, Jesus. There's no one like you.
again and again Cause all that I have is a hallelujah Hallelujah And I know it's not much I'm nothing else fit for a king Except for a heart singing Get up and 
In that day when Jesus was in the synagogue and he took the scriptures and he said, Today the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the good news, to set the captive free, to heal the broken, to bind up and heal the broken and the wounded. So today I say to you, as you go into the world to witness and to reach the lost, I say to you, my children, don't forget that the Spirit of the Lord is not only upon you, but it re resides on the inside of you. And be conscious of my presence every moment of the day. Because, lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. But I am with you presently in every moment. Be present in your moment. Be aware of my presence and my desire to reach those around you. For the Spirit of the Lord has anointed you. It lives on the inside of you, and I am with you every moment of every day. Thank you, Lord. The blessing in the pain of our worthy. you say yes, All I choose to say, you are worthy. I'll never stop singing your praise. I'll never stop singing your praise. When I finally see your face, I'll cry worthy. When you wipe these tears away, I'll cry worthy.
Years ago, when we used to go around each individual seat and pass out the communion, I remember two people that stuck out in my mind. The one, he just took it and kicked down the, the bread like he was chomping on the M&Ms and kicked down the cup like he was chugging down a shot of Jack Daniels. Then the other man, just a short distance away, stuck up his hand, turned his head, and he said, I'm not worthy. And I'm reminded that none of us are worthy. Jesus talked about two different people in the temple. And he said the one was the Pharisee who said, God, I'm so glad I'm not like that dirty old man in the corner. I give tithes of everything of God. I fast three times a week. But, but the other man in the corner, he bowed his head, smote his chest, and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Be merciful to me, a sinner. And I'm reminded the Bible says, not by works of righteousness, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Jesus is the only one that's worthy, but he made us worthy to take the communion because of his precious blood that he shed on the cross. Thank you, John. That was a word of exhortation. And we have one last prophecy. Bible says that he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. And there are people in this service here this morning that you have heard these words this morning and you have felt the calling of God upon your life and you have felt the presence of God upon your life. But yet there have been things in your past and things that you have been through that you have felt that you were unworthy. You have felt that you were not qualified. You felt that you were not good enough because of what you've been through. But God said this morning that he is breaking that off of you right now. He said that today is a new day to shake off the weight that has so evilly beset you and put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, for he is raising you up for such a time as this. Those that loved you and left you, they can't hurt you any longer. Those who put their hands on you, they can't hurt you any longer. That sickness and infirmity, it can't hurt you any longer because those things are not the things that rule over your life. But I am the one, says the Lord, who called you. I am the one, says the Lord, who set you apart and chose you for such a time as this. Shake off the garment of heaviness this morning, for I am doing a new thing within thee. I am calling you unto deeper things, saith the Lord. I am raising you up out of the mire that has held you back. Depression no longer has its hold. The infirmity no longer has its hold. Anxiety no longer has its hold, says the Lord. For I am breaking those things off of you, says the Lord. Release the chains this morning. Release the chains this morning, says the Lord. And put on the garment of praise, for I am doing a quickening within you. Give you my worship, and you still deserve it. You're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy of my song. Pour out your praises, and blessing and breaking. You're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy of my song. I give you my worship. 
You're worthy, you're worthy 
Only he deserves it, church. Come on, there's things in our life just like communion. Things may not be perfect. Things may not be what you expect. But it's in the midst of the storm that you declare he is worthy. Amen. Amen. Oh, Father, we worship you. You can be seated if you can. I was listening to a podcast a while ago from a very well-known speaker, and he had lost his wife in the process. And I didn't know that that was what he was going to talk about in this podcast. I thought he was talking about praise, and he was. But he said that they had been in a battle with his wife for a really, really long time as a church. And they've been battling 24-hour prayer, 24-hour prayer, speaking the word, just constant. And she was battling a disease. And he pulled his kids and his family close. And he said, kids, I'm telling you that the enemy's coming for our praise. And this church has some of the best praise and worship music they'll ever be written. He said, the devil is coming for our praise. This is bigger than your mom's life. It's about our praise. And he said, we determined that night that should God not raise my wife from her bed of affliction that night, we would praise the second she took her last breath. And that entire family began to lift up praise. I heard this about three months before our pastor passed away. And on the way to Cleveland Clinic in the car, when they had called and they said, you know, his breath is getting shallow. I said, put the phone up to his ear. And I said, Dad, we're going to be fine. Your church is going to thrive. Randy's going to take care of us just like you ask him to. It's fine. I said, I love you. And we'll all meet you on the other side. And in that car, two of my kids were with us and I said, remember that bridge that says, you're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. For from you are all things. To you are all things. You deserve the glory devil you won't take this church's praise for in the midst of adversity for in the midst of adversity in the midst of our mourning we will find praise death is only temporary church for you and I only temporary for those that are in the world without Jesus have a reason to mourn and cry and grieve because their soul there is No help. You've been redeemed. No greater message could come forth today than the message of redemption that the world is crying to hear. They don't know that they need the redemption. They don't know that they need this salvation. Oh, but you and I, we know. Don't stay silent this week. Don't stay silent. I'd normally let the word work. By the way, those of you who are tripping because there was a little bit more than three, we had two words of exhortation today that came forth. 
and we had three words from the Lord. And I remind you that a word of the Lord does not teach. A word of the Lord does not teach out of the Bible. That's not what it comes to do. It edifies, exhorts, and it encourages. You don't. The word that came forth through you does. That's what it does. A word of exhortation does just what that's supposed to do. It exhorts the body of Christ. And that's what took place today. So it wasn't out of order. It was completely in order by this house. And if you ever feel that you have a prophetic word or a tongues or an interpretation, then you need to come down front and talk to us and we will let that go forward. We're not here to quench the Holy Spirit. We're here to move the way that he wants us to move. Amen. And we will embrace our Pentecostal roots. We will embrace the Holy Ghost, for without him, we cannot move. Amen? All right, with that being said, it's offering time. I have an easy offering today because it's the month of November. And every year in November, we purpose in our hearts from the beginning to the end to talk about a Thanksgiving offering. Now, I don't want to confuse this with your tithe. This is not a tithe. This is an offering, and as simple as I say in the Next Steps class, when you become a new member, this is simply where you listen to God, and if he speaks, you give. If he don't speak, you don't have to give. I don't ever want you to feel that you're pressured to give here at Only Believe. That's not what this is for. But I'm very excited about our Thanksgiving offering, and I look forward to this all year long. Because this is where Randy doesn't require me to name my seed. I just get to say it's because I thank you, Lord, for everything you've done. So this year, what we're going to do with our Thanksgiving offering, some of you have seen the little temperature gauge out there in the lobby. There's a picture of the front of the building, and it shows our Jubilee offering is what it's called. And what this is, is this is people who have purpose to give towards the pay down of the debt of our building. And church, I just want to encourage you that I feel that that payoff is closer in sight than it's ever been before. Amen. And I'm excited about possibly being the generation that retires a debt. Because what we can do when we retire a debt is do more for the kingdom than we've ever done before. Because we don't live captive by any bank. We don't live captive by any bondholder who determines what's gonna happen and when it's gonna happen, amen? Not to mention, we could save a whole lot of money if we didn't have to do some of the requirements they're asking. I wanna bring these numbers to you. There's $41,733.20 left on this debt. And we will be able to pay off the next, I think it's a hundred and some odd thousand dollars, 156, 162. I should know these numbers, Dave, but I haven't been in that count room for a while. Um, we're almost there. I know we can do this with your help. And I'm reminded of the prophecy that God gave the church, that provision is in the house for everything we have need of. And that means provisions in this house for you and I to pay off and to retire the debt of this church, amen, that we could do more for the kingdom. So I simply just want you to ask the Lord, and you may not do this today, you may do it at the end of the month. That's fine. We've already got Thanksgiving offerings pouring in. I didn't look on purpose. 
of how much it is because I don't want to be distracted by numbers. I want to just use my faith and believe that God's going to do that which he purposed to do in our hearts. And Raina's going to give an awesome message about the law of the first. So that's why I'm not talking on the tithe during the offering. Just want you to know. I know y'all think this is getting sacrilegious here. All of a sudden we don't talk about tithe. We had two words of exhortation. You're thinking, oh Lord, help us. Trust me, it's fine. So there's three ways you can give and only believe. And I'm going to take this because this is kind of an open offering. I want to remind you that last year I shared with you the amount of money that a bank gets by using a transaction fee. So for us to use credit card giving and debit cards and visas and all those things that we get rewards from, all the things we get perks from, it cost the church over $20,000 last year to provide that service. But if you use the Church Center app, you can actually round up your 30 cents and it takes it immediately from your account. It's so easy. That's how I give mine. That's why you'll never see me down at the offering bucket very few times because I give mine online and that's the way I like to do it. It's less paperwork. It's easy. I get an immediate receipt. So that's something that I encourage you to do. There are other ways that you can. You can still give cash. You can still give check. I have a couple couples in the bank or a couple couples in the church literally let Chase Bank send their check to the church. Do you know why? Because it doesn't cost us anything. So we're just trying to be good stewards with what we have. And if you don't know, you don't know that it costs. You just give it accordingly. So I want to encourage you that if you can adapt the way you give, we can save more money than we've ever done before and touch more lives for the gospel. Amen. The scripture in Luke 6, 38 says, give and it shall be given. Pressed down, shaken together and running over. Women and women give unto your bosom. Today, just simply ask if God would have you give. That's all I'm asking. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. And God, I know that you're purposing something in our hearts. You haven't spoken a number yet, but I'm trusting that you will. God, I'm asking that every heart present here today that you would have to give into the Thanksgiving offering. Father, out of their abundance, Father, maybe it's out of their need. Father, maybe it's out of their scarcity. Father, I know that if we mix our faith with what your word says, you will do it. Father, we learned last week that giving was a condition of our hearts. Father, and I know that it's important to you that the world does not have our hearts and that where our treasure is, our heart will be there also. My treasure is you. Our treasure as a church is you. And Father, what we have, we give it to you. For all things come from you and all things go back to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You can bring your tithe and your offering. And it, don't forget, in the middle, we have our missions globe.
Praise God, praise God. That was awesome. I didn't have to say any of that stuff. She said it all. It was, I mean, it's like, okay, we're going to talk about the prophecies this morning. We're going to talk about it. She did it all. It's, I love that. You're an amazing, huh? Yes, we're a great team. That's right. But uh, one thing that she said that I'm going to correct her on this morning, she said we could be the generation that pays this debt off. We will be the generation that pays this church off. Period. That's it. It's going to happen. I feel it as well. So that's definitely going to happen. Amen. So we're so glad to be here in the house of the Lord this morning. So we're continuing with the series on the blessing. And uh, Nicole, again, started last week on it. She preached a hot word. It was fantastic on the heart. Because it is all about the heart. It starts there with the heart. And so today, um, my subtitle is Bringing God Our First Fruits. Bringing God Our First Fruits. And uh, it was an interesting week. It was kind of a tough week, I guess you could say, because um, I did a lot, a lot of reading and did a lot of praying. And um, it was just, you know, tithing is just, it's not a tithing and money. It's just crazy sensitive subjects, you know. And Pastor Dosek really never talked on it much because he didn't like to. And I get it. But uh, we have to talk about every part of our walk with Christ. And so I hope I say something today that maybe will help you and, and give you some revelation and, and uh, spur you on. But um, I know it's hard to keep, to keep God first in our lives, especially in this day and age. Um, I know that 24 hours a day it just doesn't seem like enough to do anything these days. I, I just, you know, when we had the phone and it wasn't the cell phone and it was the dial phone, it was amazing how we still got a lot of things done and you'd think that with a cell phone, you'd, you'd get it done faster and we'd have more time to go home in the evening and, and uh, lay around on the couch or whatever, you know, but it, it just seems like it's just worse. Like we need 29 hours a day and we could get it done. But yet, I don't think that we'd put God first even if we had another four hours. I think we'd find something else to do, you know? And so the last couple Wednesdays, uh, I've been teaching on expectation. And uh, through our expectation of what God has maybe called us, prophesied to us, uh, whatever the word says, a promise that, that we have through that expectation... And the race that you and I are running together in this life. I talked about time. Time. It's a very precious commodity. And in order to receive blessing in our lives, we need to again put God first with some time. I gave a pretty cool little object lesson on that Wednesday night. If we'll give God a little praise, a little prayer, maybe a little scripture reading every morning, God will somehow supernaturally give us time to get everything that we need done during the day. It doesn't make sense. But there's a lot of things about God that doesn't make sense. We just obey, we just do, and then he does the rest. How did I get this done today? If we do it last, pray, praise, do some scripture reading, it seems like we never get it done. But if we do it first, everything else in the day gets done. It's supernatural. That's part of the blessing. So as the prophecies came through today, we've got to get 
back to doing what we need to do and put him first. Jesus himself put God first. Prayed in the morning early. I don't believe in early mornings. <laughs> but it's okay. I'm learning and I'm trying to get up earlier and earlier. But that means I go to bed earlier and earlier. Because I, I want to put God first. I want all that he has. I want the blessing in my life. So it's just a quick encouragement this morning to just do it. Just put the dumb phone down when you wake up. Turn the alarm off and then pick up the Bible real quick and just read a chapter or read 10 verses. Do something. Putting him first and watch what he does with your time that day. All right, amen? Okay, praise the Lord. That's, that was free, I guess you could say. <laughs> You know, God also works supernaturally and blesses us when we put him first in our finances as well. He really does. For 41 years, we have taken a few minutes of every service and given a nugget on tithe and offering and how when you put God first, that he blesses you in those areas. 41 years we've been doing that and obviously we'll continue to do that. And I know that today a lot of you might hear some of the same things that, that I'm going to talk about and have heard, but there's a lot of new people flowing into this house. And they may not have heard, you know. And, you know, by the way, it was amazing to see 18 people come into the first steps two Sundays ago. That was awesome. 18 new people say, hey, I want to be a part of the church. And so Nicole and I are so excited to see what's going to happen with you and the areas that you're going to want to serve in and to create relationships with. It's going to be amazing. And I know that if you're a guest, uh, if you've been visiting, uh, and you say, you know what, I think it's time. I think we want to make this our home. The, the people are friendly. They're nice. God's moving. You know, then every first Sunday of the month, we have our next steps. You can sign up out there at the Welcome Center. And as every first steps, uh, child care is free, we have food, and we go over the entire history of the church, we share vision, find out where your giftings are, and then get you involved. So if that's you, then please do that, and uh, you will be blessed, obviously, and then we welcome you to the, to the family. So anyhow, as I get started today, I want to repeat something that I heard last week. I thought it was pretty interesting. I heard that there are three types of people that still believe in tithing. Three types of people. And one of those types of people are living in the nursing home. The other type of people that believe in tithing are living in the retirement centers. And the third type of people are in the graveyards. That's a statement that I heard. The baby boomers on down do not believe in tithing anymore. Wow. Man, I'm telling you, we're sinking quick. Am I a baby boomer? Okay, just checking. I don't know how that thing works. What am, what am I? My parents are baby boomers. Uh, what are we? Gen X? Okay, whatever. Christians, <laughs> thank you. Amen. We're in church. Woo! Thank you. So I thought that was a crazy statement. And you know, there's already enough controversy with things that we go through in the Bible. Salvation. Speaking in tongues. Healing. 
all that God doesn't talk to us anymore. He heals who he only wants to. I can't imagine. And you know what's crazy is we see thousands and thousands and hundred thousand people getting filled with the Holy Ghost every day. We see people getting uh, uh, healed and set free and delivered every day. And, and, but yet these people still are talking about this stuff. It doesn't make any sense to me. But now when I'm looking up tithing, there's controversy about tithing as well. Jeez, it's crazy. The devil just loves to destroy his people for lack of knowledge. Loves it. So I figure we need to find out where it all started and go from there. So, if you have your Bibles today, you got your electronics today, I want you to turn all the way back in the beginning where it started, and let's go to Genesis. All right? Genesis, the first book of the Bible. The first book of the Bible. And uh, if you guys have brought some loaves and fishes, I hope somebody has, because this might take a while. <laughs> Genesis 4, we're going to start there in verse 3. It says, And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? In other words, you could visibly see that something was wrong with Cain. Either he had a smug face, he was angry, something of that nature. In verse 7, this is God now speaking to Cain. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and it desires, uh, and its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. So God is telling his son, what is wrong? You know that if you do the right thing, you're going to be okay. See, what he did was just give something to God. He gave either his leftovers or he took whatever he needed first and then he gave God just, just an offering. Where Abel gave him the first. The first. By faith he gave him, gave God the first. Not knowing if he'll have any more. But he gave God what was his, the first. And Cain just gave an offering and God said, no, sorry, I'm not going to be second in your life. And you know what? He's not going to be second today either so one of my points is where did Cain and Abel learn this principle who taught them who taught them to do well who taught them to give the first fruits to the Lord it was either God himself or it was his parents Adam and Eve right we don't know how long Adam and Eve were in the garden before they sinned we have no idea and yet God was with Adam every evening in the cool. What were they doing? Nice flowers. Wow, that's a cool looking thing. I wonder what it's going to be called. Well, remember you called it a butterfly. I'm sure they were talking about everything. Who God is. Oh, it would be amazing to have been there. So God had to teach them this. And then maybe Adam and Eve taught Cain and Abel this. That's the only thing that we can say. And this happened... 2,500 years before God established 
the Mosaic Law. 2,500 years before the law was established. So, and I know as good as some of us are, um, money is something that we just don't give up without kind of a push. You know, the first fruits. We're just not going to give them up because, hello, it's how we have to live and how we have to feed our family. We're born into a sin nature, right? We're greedy people by nature. We have to be taught to give, taught to live God's principles and his ways. So I guarantee you, it just wasn't, well, you know what? I think I'm just going to do this. No, they had to be taught. Your kids come out, and even as they come out of the womb, you're already spanking them. They have to be taught how to do good, how to do what's right. Amen? I mean, you know, sometimes my kids, when they were younger, they've done better now, but it's like, okay, the server comes over, all right, what would you like? You know, and one of the kids, oh, I'll tell you, I'll take this and it. Hey, ladies first. Your mom comes first. You ask her first, right? You open the door first. We have to be taught these things. It's just not going to come natural. Amen? So this was 2,500 years before the law had taken place. And even we today, I found it that 10% of the body of Christ as an elective or as a whole, 10% tithe and 90% don't. Wow, so 10% is doing 90% of God's work. We got to change it. That's a lot of disobedience. All right, so when we read on in Genesis, Abram was in Egypt and his uh, nephew Lot was taken in battle. So he was just hanging out at a new place and all of a sudden a battle broke out with, between kings. And these kings took his nephew, Lot, his family, his wife, and everything. Well, Abram got wind of it and he went into action. The Bible says that Abram and his 318 servants went after those kings, killed them all and took everything back. Got Lot back, got his family back, got all of his possessions back. I didn't know Abram was like that. Man, I thought he was just a really cool guy, you know. But man, he was a warrior. And he got them all back. And of course, it says here in Genesis 14, 18 through 20, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, which means peace, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave them, him, a tenth of all. Wow. Verse 21. Now the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take what? Nothing. From a thread to a sandal strap, and that I will take nothing that is yours. So here's the thing. Abram was in a battle. These kings stole not just Lot and his family, but stole a lot of things from other kings, especially king of Sodom. All that now, when Abram recovered it all, it was all his. It wasn't king of Sodom's anymore because Abram won the battle. 
killed everybody and took it all. Rightfully, it was all his, every bit of it. Everything from every other king, every other country, whatever, it was all now Abram's. But Abram said, I am not going to do that. I am going to give everything back. I'm not even going to take a thread, no lint, not even a strap of a sandal that I found on the ground during the battle. It's all coming back to you, King Sodom, every bit of it. That's a pretty good dude too. I think so. But here's the thing. Yet, he gives Melchizedek a tenth, who apparently represents or is a typology of Jesus. Could have been Jesus. I can't say that for sure. Why do I say that? Because Melchizedek had no father, no mother, no genealogy. And you can read that in Hebrews 7.3. Talks about him right there. And I also think it's interesting that Melchizedek brought out bread and wine to Abram before Abram gave him anything. I find that interesting when I'm reading because... Uh, didn't Jesus give his body and didn't his blood, wouldn't his blood shed for you and I first? Pretty cool. Melchizedek, hmm, pretty sneaky there, I think. So right there, again, 500 years before the law was established, Abram said that a tenth of the spoils didn't belong to him or King Sodom. No. But to Melchizedek, a priest of the Most High. That was 500 years before the Mosaic Law. So, another question. Who taught Abram how to give a tenth to everything? It was before the law, before the Ten Commandments, before any of it. Who taught him how? Now, you know what? I've looked through the Scripture verses, and of course, I'm not the smartest guy in the, in the camp, but I can't find... Anywhere where he was instructed to give a tenth. So he had to be taught by those before him or by God himself. Had to have. Had to have. Because here's the thing. Genesis 26.5 says this. Abraham was blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Where are these laws found? I can't find them. Pastor Rick, you know where they are? I'm putting you on the spot, bro. Because I sure can't. I can't find them anywhere. Hmm. The Bible really doesn't tell us. By only giving King Sodom 90% of everything back instead of 100%, Somehow, Abram knew that there was an obligation to give 10% to the Lord. That's what that means. Simple as that. Are you following me? Are we, are we seeing a pattern here? In Hebrews 7, 9, it says, Even Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. This is more bad news for those people that think the tithe is just under the law. Why? 
How could the Levites pay tithe through Abraham if Abraham lived hundreds of years before the law was ever given? Might take you a minute to think about that. <laughs> Pastor Rick's point to the heart. Yeah. It happened when Abraham gave tithes to Melchizedek. So how could Levites under circumcision pay tithes through an uncircumcised man before the law? Abraham was uncircumcised. How could that happen? I'll tell you. Because the tithe is not confined only to the circumcised nor to the law. Now, if I had a mic, I'd drop it and walk off the stage. And we could all have an early lunch. Hallelujah. All right. The tithe, the first fruits, the first portion belong to God before the law, during the law, and still belongs to God today. Still does. In Genesis, the 28th chapter, Jacob fell asleep and the Lord gave him a dream. Now in kids' church, we all learned Jacob's ladder. If you remember that back then. You know, he saw angels up and down doing things like that. And so he made a vow to God and ended it by saying in Genesis 28, 22. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And all of that you give me, I will surely give you a tenth. Wow. Now, we're moving up the ladder slowly. We've been 2,500 years before the law, 500 years before the law. This was 420 years before the law when Jacob had that dream and said that he would give a tenth of everything to the Lord. 420 years before the law was established. And guys, we aren't even out of Genesis yet. That's why I'm telling you, get the fishes and get the loaves. Somebody better start praying over them. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, if you want to bring that to the 21st century, just the chips and salsa, we'll pray over them instead. And we'll, we got, that's, whoo, hot, all right, all right. So, so let's move on then to the next book of the Bible, Exodus. Woohoo! guess what? Only 64 more books to go. All right, praise God. Exodus 13, 1. It says, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and beast, it is mine. Now we see God, and I'm sure he told all those other people this kind of stuff. This is mine. The earth is mine. All this is mine. All you need to do is this. You do this. Obey this. But now he's starting to tell it openly here. Everything is mine. All the first is mine. In verse 12, it says that you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb, that in every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the males shall be the Lord's. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, and if you will not redeem it, then you shall, not, then you shall break its neck. So if you're not going to redeem it, you're going to lose it anyway. When we don't tithe, how many problems come our way? And all the firstborn of man among your sons shall you shall redeem. So the firstborn must either be sacrificed or redeemed, the Bible says. Donkeys were unclean and lambs were clean. So you and I were born into a sinful world. We were born what? Nicole, if I had a candy bar, I'd give you one. Unclean. 
We were born unclean. Jesus was born of a virgin. The Lamb of God was born what? Clean. Jesus had to be sacrificed. So you and I, the unclean, could then be redeemed. Hallelujah. Praise God. So when it comes to tithing, Jesus is God's tithe. The tithe is given first. God gave Jesus first. For it says in Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. Jesus was the first and all of you and I are redeemed. Thank God that we are redeemed. Hallelujah. Amen. That's right. Praise God. Exodus 23, 19. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Leviticus 27, 30. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. It has to be set apart. Now in Numbers, there were 12, it talks about the 12 tribes. And again, God is now just creating things and he's setting order and, and things of that nature. And out of the 12 tribes, God allowed 11 of the tribes to have land so they could make money for their families and grow crops and things like that. But the tribe of Levi did not get a portion of the land. What? One tribe didn't get anything? That's what it says. God called them to temple service. In other words, they became the church staff. I'm just saying it. Today's In Numbers 18, 20, and 21, Then the Lord said to Aaron, You shall have no inheritance in the land, nor shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the children of Israel. Behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tithes in Israel as an inheritance in return for the work which they perform. The work of the tabernacle of meeting. In other words, your tithe comes to the house of the Lord. Supposed to come to the house of the Lord. And in Deuteronomy 26, 1 and 2, when he set that up with Levi and Aaron, now he talks to the Israel itself. And he says to Israel, And it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and you possess it and dwell in it, that you shall take some of the first of the produce of the ground. What part? The first part, which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you and put it in a basket and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make, it, to make uh, his name abide. In other words, bring it to the house of God. That's what he's saying right there. And in verse 13 through 15, it says, Then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe from my house and also have given them to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow according to your commandments, which you have commanded me. I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I have not eaten any of it when in mourning, nor have I removed it and used it for any unclean use, nor given any of it for the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God and have done according to all that you have commanded me to do. That's awesome. That's what he told the children of Israel to do. And then, of course, God told the Levites, the ones taking care of the church, the church staff, church leaders, in Numbers 18, 13, whatever first ripes, 
ripe fruit is in the land which they bring to the Lord, it shall be yours. Whichever ripens what? First. You're giving the first fruits to the church. That's what you're going to do. And the Levites get to do with it what they need to do. They get to live on it. They get to eat. They get to do whatever. Keep the lights on. I'm putting that in today's work. And no lights back then. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right. This is how God funded the church and still funds it today. It really is. The tithe belongs to the Lord. It comes to the church. It doesn't go to the evangelist. Oh, I've heard that. Or missions. It doesn't go to the poor. It doesn't go to the Ronald McDonald house. The first fruits comes to the house of God. All those other things are great. We should do all, the, all those other things. But those are called offerings. Those are not the first fruits. Those are offerings. So they removed the tithe, set it apart, and didn't use it for anything else but brought it to the house of God. Now in Joshua, the sixth chapter, Joshua, with the help of the Lord, defeated Jericho. It was a, it was a great, great, great battle that they had to do nothing except walk around it and yell. <laughs> they walked around it and, and just shouted and the walls come crashing down. What an amazing battle, right? This was their first victory when they entered the promised land. It was their first victory, right? Exactly. As the people were gathering the spoils, God says to Joshua in Joshua 6, 18 and 19, and you by all means abstain from the accursed things lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. Nothing was to be taken except the silver and gold vessel and vessels of bronze and iron. They were to be consecrated or dedicated to the Lord and come into the treasury of the Lord. So they did that. They defeated, they took everything, they burnt everything else to a crisp, including people, Crazy back then. And then they had their next battle. I, thought, I find it interesting how their next battle was a place called AI. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I mean, what are we dealing with today? AI. AI. So, it's like, that's so weird. AI was back there. I'm not, it's what the Bible says. They went to defeat their next enemy, AI, and they saw the people, and it's like, that's eh, not a big deal. Joshua said, ah, only take 3,500 people, get it done. And be back by dinner. Should be no big deal. But as they went to battle, they came back. 35, I think, of their men were defeated, killed. And they came back with their tails tucked behind their legs. From a little dinky village or whatever called AI. And they ripped their clothes. They put sackcloth on. And they were crying and everything. And, and they were on their knees. And God told Joseph, to get up and go find who did something wrong and sinned in my sight. That's what happened. Someone took something from the Lord back in Jericho. So they went all through the camp. And they have an order how they did that. And they found the thief. It was Achan. Achan sinned. And in Joshua 7.20... Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, 
and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth, in the midst of my tent, with the silver under it. They took the family out on the edge of town, and they had a prayer service. And they all stood around, and each one confessed, asked forgiveness, fell on their face. They all got tissues out. They all wiped their tears away. Just don't do it again. It's okay. That's not what happened. Unfortunately, the entire nation of Israel went out and stoned them to death. Him, his wife, their kids, their cattle, killed them all and then set it all ablaze. Boy, I tell you what, I bet you everybody, whoo, back in Israel, that, that set their lives straight. Holy moly. Whew, that's crazy. I know this. I'm happy that I live under grace and not the law. Wow. I mean, whew. I know this too. I wouldn't want to be the Achan that brings trouble to my family. Even today. Even today. Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the what fruits? The first fruits. Not just some of them, right? All your increase. This isn't, this part isn't the law. And God's telling us to honor the Lord with our possessions. The first fruits. Say first. Of all our increase. Say all. Now let's go back to the book of the old, or the last book of the Old Testament. Let's move on here. And that is Malachi 3.6. Malachi 3.6 says, the Lord said, I am the Lord and I change often. I change not. So this might be the same God who doesn't change, who taught Abram how to give a tenth, right? 500 years ago. Uh, it might be the same God who taught Adam how to give. And then Adam showed Cain and Abel how to give 2,500 years before the law. Maybe same God? I think so. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Forever. But then after he tells his people that he doesn't change, then he tells them in Malachi 3, 8 that they've robbed him in the tithe and the offering and to start tithing again. So folks, you messed up. My attributes... My laws, my principles, you stop doing them. I am the same. I have not changed. My laws have not changed. I've not written any new commandments. Do what you're supposed to do. And you're lucky I haven't killed you. That's what it says if you read it. You're just lucky that you ain't aching. God had mercy. It's all there. They have robbed him in the tithe and the offering and to start tithing again. But here's one of my questions when I read that. How can you rob God of an offering when offerings are voluntary? You ever thought about Pastor Rick? That's pretty good, isn't it? I thought, man, I'm getting smart. Hallelujah. That's a good question, God. How's that possible? And what I came up with 
We rob God of the opportunity to bless us in return when we do not give an offering. He wants to pour out. He wants to give to us. It's not him. He don't need anything. He wants us to be blessed. That's why we rob him of tithe and offering. He can't bless us if we don't even give offerings either. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7 about offerings. So let each one give. Say the word give. As he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. These are voluntary offerings above the tithe. Now, I know some of you will, I'll tell you what, I've heard that that's in the New Testament that that's what the tithe is right now. The tithe is gone and we're just supposed to give as we're supposed to give in our heart and bring it up and be joyful about it. God changes not. How much confusion that would be. I feel in my heart, I've made $400 and I, I yep, two, 10 bucks. Praise the Lord. I'm joyful to give 10 bucks. Nah, it don't even make sense. Doesn't even make sense. So how do we know he's talking about offerings? Because you can't give something that you don't own. Give. Give as you purpose. See, Malachi 3.10 says, bring the tithes into the storehouse. It's already his. He's wanting you to bring it back. That's why, bring the tithes into the storehouse, into the church. We bring it because it's not ours, folks. It's not ours. That tenth belongs to God. You're bringing it back to him. When it comes to offerings, you can give it. Because it's yours. You can't give a tithe. It's not yours. You can't give something you don't own and you don't have. Should I drop another mic? Okay. But you can give as you purpose in your heart because that is your money then. It's the redeemed part of the blessed part, if you will. Does it make sense? All right, you're awful quiet out there. Nicole and I purposed uh, in our heart toward the slaves um, in the brick kilns in Pakistan uh, when the pastors were here from, from Pakistan. As a matter of fact, collectively, with what offerings you purpose to give in your hearts, we gave them over $10,000 to get the slaves out of the brick kilns. Man! Woo! And I told them that uh, Wednesday night, I think a week ago or so. That's beautiful! Hallelujah. I wish we could have given them more, but that's awesome. And so I close with this. As I was studying the message, I was kind of, I don't know, upset or complaining that um, God doesn't seem to be clear at times in, in the Bible. You know, and, and I, was, I was, I think I even told you that. You know what? Why is God just lay it out? If he would just say this and this and this, we wouldn't have thousands of different denominations and so forth. We wouldn't have all these arguments. Just lay it out. And I went to sleep. And when I woke up, thank God God didn't smite me, I heard a simple phrase, I change not. That's what I heard. It wasn't in a nice voice either. I don't know about that. He just said, I change not. 
And then after he said that, I saw this in my mind. This might be a paddle for some of you. I don't know. <laughs> it's a ruler. And when I saw this, I was like, Okay, God, I get this. I get this. There's 12 inches on here, or there's 30 centimeters on here, if you live around the world. So this ruler that's 12 inches long, will it ever change? You sure? Will 30 centimeters ever be 35 centimeters? If I put it away for 100 years and bring it back out, will it be 15 inches? It'll still be what? 12 inches. It'll still be 30. It changes not. It's just how God does that with me. It's just, yeah, God, it's good. All right. And so I thought I'd share it with you. It changes not. I change not. What I said in the beginning, I'm saying then, and I'm saying now, and I'm saying tomorrow. A tithe is the tenth. It all belongs to me. Give back, bring back what is mine. That's what he's saying. I change not. I'll never, ever, ever change. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That wasn't the mic. I'm just... <laughs> All right. Hallelujah. Okay. As God was with Cain and Abel, Moses, Abraham, Jacob, the tribe of Levi, he is with you and I. His principles have not changed and they never will change. The tithe is, just, is not just a financial transaction. It's a transaction of obedience, and it's a transaction of the heart. It's, it's what it is. And you may not deny that God owns it all, but prove it to him by giving back, bringing back what's his. Even in the bush, way back in the regions of Africa, I have personally seen people bring their first fruits to the church. It was so cool. You read all these things in the Old Testament, and then you go into these places overseas, and you see it still happening and working today. I saw eggs being brought in on a Sunday morning to church. Piles of them. I saw chickens being brought in. Cow, milk, uh, all kinds of bread, fruits. And I was like, what is all this? And the pastor's like, this is their tithe. I was like, oh, oh, so cool. It was neat. I was moved by it. Because that's, that's how they run things. You know, that's, that's their money. That's their system. And they're bringing in the first fruits. So God can continue to bless them and the church can continue to go on and take them out, sell it, whatever they do with it. It was so beautiful and it was awesome. They're bringing to God what's belonged to God, the tenth, their tithe. And as Nicole just said earlier, you know, our tithe automatically comes out first. I don't know how that happens. I see it on the email. You just did it right now? Okay, you didn't do it first. You did it at the end of service. Oh, okay, all right. So, yeah, you don't get legalistic, guys, either, okay? <laughs> now we're cursed. Thanks, honey. No, uh, I don't know how it happens. I've never seen a paycheck. I guess I get one because it says tithe comes out on my email. All right? And I'm not kidding. I've never seen that. But it's deposited to only believe first before a bill 
is ever done and ever given. And I haven't told her this, but last week when I was sitting down here and we gave that offering to the Pakistanis, Pastor and Pastor Phyllis have been a great example to us for 40, 50 years. They have always been the first people to give in this church for anything, anything that happens, anything that goes on, they're the first to give. And Nicole and I are going to do the same exact thing. Anything that happens here, we're going to be the first ones to give. Now, I know we ain't the richest ones around here. I've been a children's pastor for 15 years, you can only imagine. And pastor doesn't like giving me anything. All right? He gave me $3,000 to paint this whole church, folks. Okay? When I got a $35,000 bid, and I said, well, I'll beat that. He said, yeah, you will. And he gave me $3,000 for a month's worth of work. And I said, are you kidding me? And he said, well, you got my daughter. Oh, jeez. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, <laughs> well, I won't tell you what I, yeah, I'll tell you what I said. Just, uh, you know, it was probably five years ago. He asked me to come over and do something for him. And I said, oh, I'll make it cheap, Pastor. And he said, yeah, I know you will. You'll do it for free. I said, why would you do it for free? Because you got my daughter. I said, you know what? I've given you three grandkids. You can have her back now. I'll take the money. I'll take the money. Yeah. He was speechless for the first time. Didn't know what to say. What to say. All right. Hallelujah. Jesus validated tithing in Matthew. I think it was Matthew 23, 23. And tithing is mentioned seven other times in the New Testament. But if he never mentioned it, God still never changes. Never changes. He's still the first. He still owns it all. He still expects us to give to him what is him. So we stay blessed, being part of the blessing over our home, over our family. And so the church can continue again to do what it is supposed to do. Next week is our Heart for the House Sunday, I do believe where we're going to show you where everything has went for the prior year, what we've done here at home, in our communities, and around the world. We're going to share that with you. Share what has happened, the, the tie that you've, that you've brought back in, what it's being used for, how we're being good stewards of it. We want to be transparent with you, especially in a day like today. Amen? It's going to be good. We're going to share vision. It's going to be a great time. So make sure you come out for that next week. And then I close, and everybody can stand up if you want to real quick here. I know I've went just a little bit long. When we talk about those loaves and those fishes, you know, when they brought them to Jesus, they didn't eat anything first. They didn't take anything out. They probably grabbed it from that poor little guy. And they gave it, all of it, to Jesus first. Then what did Jesus do with it? Did he try it? He what? He blessed it. He blessed it, gave it back to the disciples, and they distributed it, and the miracles started happening. Give it to God first. Doesn't make sense. Don't know how it's going to happen. Pastor Randy, I'm serious. I, I, you know, listen, we live, I mean, we live, <laughs> and we still can't make it. Take the step of faith. Do what he said to do, and watch what he will do for you. 
Watch what he will do for you. Again, every principle, everything in this Bible, it takes actions from us first. We had people last week come up to us and say, I have started tithing today for the first time in my life. Amen. Amen. I have never, ever heard anybody come up to me and say, you know what? Tithing has ruined my life. It won't. It won't. You will be blessed by it. I say we give to give, not give to get, because we're conduits, and it goes through us and out, and some of it sits right over here. He wants us blessed. He wants us taken care of, but we're conduits. Now, the prophecies today, those, those words of knowledge today, those, those exhortations today, they were the conduit, folks, the conduit. We got to be that conduit for the world. Now, I know taking a step of faith is difficult in any area of our life. And today you might be sitting here and you've never taken that first step of faith to become a Christian. Being born again, asking Jesus to forgive you of all your sins. Again, it's a step of faith. And yeah, I, I get it. Life's rough. I'm not perfect. I always mess up. I, I don't know. God will forgive you. He will forgive you. He will take you. We've all here had to do it at some point in our life. We've all had to do it. Take that step of faith so blessing can start coming into your life. If you've never received Jesus today, now's the opportunity. We're all family here, and we want to help you and pray with you. Is there anybody here that says, hey, Pastor Randy, yeah, that's me. Just you can get out of your aisle and come up here. If you if you're, uh, want to bring somebody with you, bring them with you. It's okay. I'm only going to wait a couple seconds because them loaves and fishes, man, I'm hungry. Salsa and chips, got to get multiplied. Anybody at all today? Hey, Pastor Randy, listen, I want, to, I want to become part of the family of God. Anybody at all? One, two, okay. Our prayer team will be up here. If you need prayer for anything at all, come on up when we pray and close. We vet these people. They're fantastic. They love God. And we want to be here for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for this day. We thank you for your congregation, your church. God, I just, I pray, God, that something that was said today out of your living word, God, just penetrates their hearts today. Lord God. And Lord, we just, we repent. We repent for taking what's yours. Maybe we didn't know. Maybe we were ignorant of it, but now we know. And now we're responsible for it. And God, just convict. Convict their hearts, Lord God. Hallelujah. Convict them now, Lord Jesus. Chasten them. You chasten those who you love. You want to bless us. We have to be obedient to you. Now, God, I thank you, Father, for that conviction to fall. We thank you for forgiving them, Lord God, for not doing what they're supposed to do. Thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for this new covenant that you've given us. Now, I ask that you bless this congregation, Lord. Bless their homes. Bless their finances. God, bless their neighborhoods. Bless their businesses. 
bless their schools. God, I thank you that they're blessed. Everything they touch is blessed, Lord God. Bring people by their paths this week that they can witness to and bless and touch. Thank you that we are the light in this community, in this area, Lord Jesus. God, if there's anybody that's hurting physically, mentally, right now, God, we curse it in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, for healing, Lord God. Healing, Father, in their minds. Healing in their bodies right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, move through this house right now. I thank you for healing bodies, healing minds, healing thought patterns. In Jesus' name today, thank you, Holy Spirit. We give you praise. Everybody said, amen. amen. Hey, we love you all. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday night. Hey, Turkey Tuesday, not Wednesday. Church is Tuesday.